0: James Elroy was born in Los Angeles. He's the author of the L.A. Quartet, which includes The Black Dahlia, The Big Nowhere, L.A. Confidential, and White Jazz, and the author of the Underworld USA Trilogy, American Tabloid, The Cold 6000, and Blood's a Rover. He's currently working on the L.A. Quintet, which includes Perfidia and This Storm. His latest novel in the series is The Enchanters. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Elroy.
1: Right to the point, it, it takes in the fact that the former second LA quartet is now the LA quintet. And it doesn't bring up the prior book, Widespread Panic, which is novellas, and the comedic Freddie Otash, whereas the book that you read, The Enchanters, is the tragic Freddie Otash.
0: You know, one of the things that immediately struck me about this book is the way in which it's told that you, you immerse us in the perceptions of the storyteller uh, this is freddie otash he was a real person died in 92 did you ever meet the man
1: oh yeah i knew him for the last several years of his life i didn't like him he was uncharming he was thuggish but he was well past it at that time. he was a criminal. He was a corrupt cop and a shakedown artist, and you and I we wouldn't do the things that uh, that he did and so we I was initially planning on using him as the hero for for financial compensation of my novel. Which uh, the book I was about to write, American Tabloid, and then realized, nah. Part of the deal was that he was not to contradict me for attribution, and uh, I didn't trust him to, you know, to to stick to that rule. So I sent him down the road.
0: You know. One of the things, that as I read this book, I just thought it was a really extremely brilliantly written. You immerse us in this slang um, argot that uh, Fred East speaks in. And it struck me that as I was reading this, you do have a glossary at the back, but you don't really need it. And what happens in the reading experience is that as we read it, we take the meaning of the sign words we don't understand, it, and we intuit them. And it's pretty easy to intuit, but still, we are filling in the blanks of the slang with our imagination, which is much more powerful than any definition of something we already know. So as we read this the argument and the, the way that Freddie talks, we're filling it in and investing our own imagination it becomes much more powerful, I think, by virtue of the fact that we don't always know exactly what it's talking about, but we take the vibe from it. And that's I think more important than the exact meaning.
1: I agree. You learn within context. Uh the 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 police are go, Freddie's constant records checks. Uh all of it. All of it. We see where it's going and we we learn as we go. And Freddie learns as he goes. And although, you know, you know, he's a dope addict, so he's somewhat impaired.
0: You know, it's interesting, too. It struck me that after a while of reading this, I'm thinking that Freddie is like the perfect combination of Sherlock Holmes in that he has what? He calls the man camera that it's a sort of eidetic memory that enables him to see and identify details that other people don't see. But also, he's like Hunter S. Thompson. He's cooking his brain up with a variety of, of drugs and alcohol that constantly you know induce kind of hallucinations and it's such a rich and perfect combination for detective fiction it's really an innovative idea I I think that the uh, power of this comes from that kind of uh, ability to once you we understand that setup you can lace little details that really matter to the mystery for the reader throughout this flood of information and imagery
1: all information, sir. He's always thinking, this would, it's, it, you know, I'd be lucky to get a movie option. That would, that would be nice because it's money from nowhere. It will never be a movie or a, a, a TV show because I would say it's 60% interior monologue. It's Freddie thinking his way through something. It's Freddie looking uh, through the lens of a microscope. It's Freddie rolling fingerprints, and it's Freddie reading files.
0: You know, that's one of the things that makes this so interesting as an novel because it, it's a very pure reading experience. In that, you can only experience this novel essentially by reading it and it puts you into the mindset of Freddie, and that is a boiling mass of a flood of imagery and drugs and people and connections some of which he makes that may matter some may not matter to the to the ultimate mystery and it's really enjoyable to kind of start to pick out the parts that matter and that that's just uh, acknowledge the incredible cast you've got here, Jimmy Hoffa. Well, it's all plot.
1: It's all plot, right from the beginning, and the two break-ins at the beginning of the book. Uh, one where in, in the you know in the in the second chapter when he sees you know. after Peter Lawford has told him that Meryl Monroe is dead and she's at the house, and he goes in there, that's one. What he sees is most of what you need to solve the mystery. And then the second one, you know, which is a flashback, Jimmy Hoffa hires him there. He goes in and sees the rest of the stuff. It's it's just a barrage of, Of information and he's taking it all in and everything furthers the plot
0: now one of the things that interests me about this book is as a historical artifact and I look at you know the the wide swath of your writing it strikes me that in a sense all of this writing that you do is incredibly well informed by research and I'm thinking... It's not.
1: It's not, sir. It's not? I make it all up.
0: Oh, wow. Well, there you go. I was going to suggest that you might uh, might have chosen to write a a history as opposed to fiction. Is there a reason that you haven't?
1: No. I don't like it. I I don't like research. I don't want people telling me what to write, think. You know, all of it... And when I started looking into the Marilyn Monroe death, I saw that it's all misinformation. and I saw that it's all blank walls. It's, it's, a, it's an accidental drug OD, or it's a suicide. And the former is more likely. And, you know, the mob didn't kill her. The Kennedys didn't kill her. It's a bunch of shit. And so that gives me that much more latitude to fictionalize
0: is when you put something like this together, you are putting together lots of facts. I mean, not necessarily facts in the real world, but facts in in the novel. Do you just spin these out in the prose and then keep them collecting in your brain, like you know the seed cloud, seed seeding the clouds so you can rain them down later in the novel? I wrote a
1: four hundred page outline for that book, Freddie's every thought. Process every rumination, Freddy's every action, was laid out before I wrote the first word of the text.
0: Wow, so you're like a, a, a Beethoven in terms of you write the score out and then play it out afterwards.
1: I'm looking at a picture of Beethoven on my office wall. <coughs> right now.
0: <laughs> that That's very, very interesting. You know, one of the things I think you do do in terms of history, is whether or not you, you capture the facts. I think that the feel of the world is as important as the facts of what happened. And that sometimes the best way to tell history and to learn history is to read Uh, fiction in that that tells you how people felt about the world and how they why they acted as opposed to exactly what happened which a may be mistaken b may be unimportant to the people at the time
1: yeah it's i i just i was 14 years old in the summer of 62 and the book takes place uh i have no other than bopping around the, the neighborhood where Hollygrove orphan home, the orphan home is uh, the, and where Freddie goes canvassing when he's looking for the, the home of the little Mexican kid is that's where I grew up. And so I know it very, very well. And that's a distinct memory. And I used to like to ride, Bicycle. But nobody liked the outside. I like looking at windows.
0: You know, it's interesting. The idea of looking at a window, through a window, it is the idea of being outside and looking in. And I think that that... It creates a certain kind of persona and a certain kind of perception that's perhaps particularly useful in, in terms of a mystery, uh, a detective or you know problem solver is always on the outside trying to get in.
1: Freddie Oates, it's the, the genealogy, and I'll talk about this at the bookstore in Santa Cruz, the hard-boiled fiction Hardball fiction in America. The Alpha and Omega are Dashiell Hammett's first novel, *Red Harvest*, 1929. *The Enchanters*, 1923, uh, 2023. So it's 96 years. Yeah, we, we are we are the Alpha and the Omega. He's where it started, and I'm where it. Concludes, And these are books, in, that's a short book, it's practically a novella, uh, 140 pages or so, Red Harvest. And uh, The Enchanters is a, a long book, it's 450 pages. But it's everything you need to know about life, institutional corruption, men and women, and the history of the time and place. Uh, and the nexus of Hollywood, organized crime, rogue police elements, all of it.
0: You know, I I really like the way in this novel that while uh, Freddie's in the midst of trying to solve this novel, the crime, and, and try to understand what's going on, that you slip in and it works out really well you know he, that part of the novel, big part of the novel, is his interest in pat kennedy and lois nettleton two of the characters so and i think that that you handled that really well in terms of how it influences his attention to the problem and how it influences his attention to the world around him
1: Lavergasted by women, and I was flabbergasted by women when, when I was 14 in 1962, and I still am. And uh, Lois Nettleton was the first actress, uh, you know, that I ever had a crush on. I saw her on several episodes of The Naked City on TV and The Fugitive, and uh, here she is.
0: One of the things I think that is also really engaging about this novel is the way that you work in, you know, the the real characters, you know, Jimmy Hoffa, Daryl Gates, and uh, the the Kennedys. So talk about picking and choosing which characters you're going to create and which characters you're just going to recreate, as it were.
1: It's an instinct that I've developed over the 44 years I've been doing this, and I knew Darrell Gates. I was a spokesman for the LAPD for years. I was the host of their annual I liked him. I liked Whiskey Bill Parker. Didn't like Freddie. Didn't like Marilyn Monroe. And I haven't met any of the other characters. I greatly admire Robert Kennedy. I thought he was the greatest crime fighter of the American 20th century. Natasha Lykos, the woman who was in love with Monroe, her drama coach going way back to the late 40s was a find just reading a biography of Monroe. I never warmed to Monroe herself. In fact, I disliked her. boring. She's boring to me.
0: One of the things I really liked about this book is the way you, at the ease with which you dipped into the fairly deep past of the book, from the sixty-two incidents to the forty-eight incidents. It gives it a lot of scope and depth, and adds a, a whole layer of richness. And I'm wondering if if you care to talk about, you know, incorporating those threads of the past and reaching back, and how that I think it really um gives the book a lot of power.
1: If you go back to, like, okay, today is, it's 2023 today. So if we subtract 14 years from that, it's 2009. That's nothing in our memory banks. Even a younger person like you. That's nothing. That's nothing. Well, you know, I was 14. In, I was born in '48. I was born in March of '48, and I was fixated on the 40s, the black guy murder case, L.A. during the war, L.A. after the war, you know, sex psychos on the prowl in post-war L.A., all of that. But it's only 14 years earlier than 1960. Monroe was only 36. When she died, she turned 22 in June of 1948, and it was the post-war VT epidemic. It was the suicide of Carol Landis, and as always, I just let my imagination go wild.
0: The new novel by James Elroy is The Enchanters. Thank you for speaking with me, Mr. Elroy.
1: Sir, you're welcome, and I look forward to talking to you at Bookshop Santa Cruz, coming up.